0: This is Project WWWN, hosted by Isaac Davenport and Gary Hamrick Jr. Project WWWN is an exploration into the character development, world building, and game settings that go into developing the best possible creative superstars for current and future wrestling games.
1: Dynasties in Progress is Project WWWN's trademark interview segment where we talk to digital wrestling promotion owners, creators, bookers, and other behind-the-scenes workers to discuss how a digital wrestling promotion works and talk about the uniqueness that exists Within the world of digital wrestling, we hope that these segments are
2: informative
1: and are able to shine a light on the digital wrestling promotions that exist across the spectrum of PlayStation, Xbox, and also give some insight into the expectation of roster of these promotions that we interview on Dynasty in progress hello everybody welcome to project wwwn i am isaac davenport and you are with our co-host gary hamrick jr what is up gary? how are you doing today
2: i'm here <laughs> uh, seems like we've been here a while today, uh,
1: already. sir sure, typically when I go into the school in the morning, when yeah. everybody, hey, Davenport, how are you doing? I, I'm here. i here. Yeah. I, I'm, right. I'm here to do my job. I, I put the smile on for the right, kids. I right. do the job. Right, right. and it's Like,
2: yeah, kind of just
1: here trying to get through. Well, the- at least
2: we have a fun interview today with a goat.
1: A goat? I'm like, oh, okay, so you're talking about John Baker, owner and operator of the digital wrestling promotion grand and for some reason
2: i was told i was told by the folks at gww that he was a goat i i don't think i don't don't, i'm confused anyway how are you doing john
0: i'm doing all right i'm doing all right yep i am indeed a human being i am not an animal
1: (laughs) so now Tell us, John, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself first. Who is John Baker? And also, tell us a little bit about, well, the, your digital wrestling promotion that's been making some big waves in the world of Call with the uh, Grand Tournament Temple.
0: Well, to start off, my name is John Baker. I am the owner and promoter of GTT, which is short for Grand Tournament Temple. GTT is an anime e-fed Why anime? Because we have a lot of unnatural things. And when I mean a lot, I mean a lot. As for the company itself, if you know how Efed has went, we go a whole different direction. You look at the realism that they try to capture, we go 180. Completely. (laughs) We're upside down when everyone else is right side up. I just realized that's kind of (laughs) catchy.
2: I'm just sitting here appreciating the delivery. From the standpoint no. of someone who has directed a couple of short films uh,
1: just going in depth, let's talk about this anime influence a little bit because we're that is one of the things that is absolutely unique with g t t and there are a lot of i I've seen feds that have tried to do horror based I've seen feds that have tried to do more unique kind of outlandish things, but you are the first one that has kind of really Said, you know what? I am going to genre bend and genre blend this whole thing. So, what is it about the anime and wrestling together that is was something that just called and brought this grand Grand Tournament Temple into existence?
0: So, I'll say this: at first, the anime side of things wasn't fully there. Because a long time ago, before we ever started making this for content, one day I decided to, like, do my own EFED, fed just private to myself and a buddy of mine. And we almost never started content. Right. But what happened was we started a certain storyline that twisted the narrative of the Infinity Gauntlet. Okay. okay. Completely twisted it including that gauntlet being stolen after a fight, it was painted black, all that stuff. And that color of of painting it black, and which hand it went on, even matters to. Right. Like, it wasn't just, oh, let's paint it black, so it looks cool. It actually completely changed the narrative, and we twisted it. And that's where we kind of started dwelling towards a more supernatural approach. Is really the best word. Sometimes that one thing can start a domino effect, definitely, and it really
1: definitely because once you introduce a big concept like that, it starts the in the words of Bruce Pritchard, the what if? Okay, what if we try this? What if we do this? What if? And most of the time, in the context of Bruce Pritchard giving ideas, the what ifs are terrible. But in the case of Grand Temple Tournament. It's been uh, a number of different ideas that have just been blended together into a really unique show. And so talk to us just a little bit about some of the uh, major aspects of uh, Grand Tournament Temple. Like what do you feel is the the vibe and what can people expect when they're tuning into an episode, a a show of GTT.
0: So, one thing you can expect is, now we touch more on the anime than ever, we even, even our commercial is kind of an anime intro, which <laughs> is kind of ridiculous. Like, like one thing you'll, that you'll get from us, obviously you'll get a welcome vibe, but at the same time, you won't see the same matches over and over again, because even if you've seen Certain people in multiple spots—they do things here that they don't do there.
2: So it is a a thing of where talent who might work in another promotion come to your promotion, or simply doing an anime gimmick per se, or an anime version of their character.
0: A little bit, like some don't and really it, go that extreme. Sometimes right. it's as simple as a completely different moveset.
2: Okay, because I I was wondering because I I was like I I've lurked on your streams several times. And I appreciate it. Despite this, I I have I've not paid I've not been able to pay as much attention to some of the names as I and I was kept wondering if I missed Inuyasha I think his name is appearing What's in that? the promotion, but you know I was maybe thinking of somebody else who takes like the actual characters like that off of the community creations and puts them in a fed. But I I didn't know if you did that as well.
0: Yeah, we usually do the signing process with all of our people as well. We don't like we don't just go on CC and snipe stuff and call it a day. Every right. yeah, every person on our that you'll see on a regular but, weekly show is on the roster.
2: But you're not you're not asking like you're not asking somebody to do an Inuyasha gimmick or a Pe- stampede gimmick.
0: No, or, like uh, if somebody, Akira. you know, people come in however they want to come in. Okay. If they want to be their normal way of life, they're allowed to. If they want to do something ridiculous, they're also allowed to.
1: And that's what makes your stream so unique, that these blend of personalities, you can have something completely, absolutely absurd standing next to this really straightforward wrestler, okay, like typical wrestling format, and that adds a lot of humor and fantasy that is really unique that we don't see a lot, and that that's just amazing. Now, speaking of that, uh, to make this work, you've got to have a group of people to help make this work. So, who who's your backstage team? Who are the folks that are helping you book an agent and all this stuff to make Grand Tournament Temple work right now?
0: So. Outside of myself, because obviously the owner doesn't necessarily count, because they're the owner of the company. But my main booker, her name is Psycho Jade, who many might know as the GWW Women's Intercont- Intercontinental Champion. She's great people. I-, I put, like, she was added to my management team summer or fall of 2020. Something like that. Been a long time.
2: Yeah, almost. almost.
0: Hey. Yeah. I also have Eddie Reed on the team, too.
1: Eddie is good people as well.
0: Yeah, Eddie's great. Like, I met him p- pretty much the first day I came in to call. He was one of the first people I met.
1: Yeah, Eddie Eddie is good. Eddie is good. So, what roles, so Psycho Jade's your booker. What role is Eddie on your
0: team? Pretty much all of them are bookers. Although, I do have to add that they it. That one more person did get added to the team very recently. Oh, okay. So, so His name is Angel Perkins Harris.
1: Oh, okay. APH.
0: Great people.
1: His work in GWW. And I know that Gabe has commented about really being interested in seeing if we could work with him on some things, especially with what he is doing with his faction that he has built with himself. That's uh, APH is a really interesting creative talent. That's really
0: awesome. Uh And his job's a little bit different here. Occasionally, he'll do matches here and there, whenever it's necessary. But he's our championship designer.
1: Oh, that's great. That's great.
0: Yeah, he does all of our belts.
1: Yeah, that is great, because that's something that's needed. Because, like, I know we are going to be working with Soul Taker Tristan, Tristan Silva, for our return. But I he, mean,
0: he he makes for, some great belts he, too.
1: He makes great belts. But the thing that is is that you you can't just rely on one person. This community needs more people out yep. there.
2: And no the more people, people are, willing to step up behind the scenes, the better.
1: More people willing to step up to help with arenas and belts and stuff like that. Yep. That is a talent that is underappreciated in what we great. do. you can't have. A a fed and a promotion without an arena, without titles,
2: at all. It can't be done. So that's a, there, yeah, you're right about that. I, I think there would be more people involved with certain elements of the call of the community if they knew that demand was there for for the yeah. talent. Um,
0: that's true because there's something for everybody.
1: Yes, right. And and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to play a character. You could be just help with design and logo work and be incredibly appreciate i think about the the guys like dragon ross uh dragon ross does so much work for this community in different ways uh from logo design to he's done kept, done drawings of people's cause custom stuff he has done a lot of stuff in this community and he really is not that directly involved in promotions he's just a guy who's a fan who and got has done logo work and design and graphic design work and that is just freaking amazing you know to think about oh, yeah. and that's just now so your anime influence is very telling with your opening and characters that you have on the brand but it's also a wrestling show so what that's true what are some of the real life combat sports or sports entertainment promotions that are influencing the work that you're attempting to do with grand tournament temple
0: in terms of that i would say one of the closest comparisons in the wrestling world would have to be lucha underground and it's yep. not necessarily the luchador aspect that does it. It's the fact yes. that they've also touched on supernatural stuff. Let's look at Mr. Matanza Cueto real quick. That <laughs> oh man was sacrificing people left and right.
1: This dude is literally killing people on a wrestling show, and nobody is doing anything about
0: it. Now, <laughs> here, think, now think about this, too, because a lot of people are going to forget. They also had a gauntlet.
1: Yes. They had that, they had the, I can't remember what it was called, but it was the, it was, it was basically a gauntlet that the whole setup, the storyline for season five, was that the gauntlet was supposed to take over Brian Cage, like he was supposed to adopt the whole other persona, a god was going to be inhabiting Brian
2: Cage. Like, that was the whole idea. That makes that.
0: sense. Yeah, that gauntlet basically made you Thanos. Let's be real of here.
2: His wife is still confused that that gimmick didn't happen.
1: <laughs> uh, but, the, but the whole, yeah, Lucha Underground was an amazing show. And just by taking the idea of story based, okay, we're going to try to do stories, even if you take the fantasy element away from it. Doing consistent story beats, okay, like Lucha Underground, is an amazing beat for a digital wrestling promotion. Then adding on your anime influence and that supernatural influence is also making it a unique way of coming at this whole thing that we're trying to, that you're trying to do. What other influences are you kind of pulling from either Lucha Underground or other promotions?
0: So you've heard all the serious bits of the company. Let's talk about what's practically the heart of it. Memes and comedy. One, like, Despite having these really critical stories, we're, one, we're still one of the least serious places out there because we have a lot of comedy spots that happen. We even have dedicated comedy shows twice, three times a year, something like that. And that is where we pull from Chikara. Chikara has its comedy moments, and they're almost known for it. That's how I discovered them,
1: was because some funny stuff was happening. Yeah, uh, especially things like the Oserian portal and the Chuck Taylor with the grenade and, oh yeah, um,
0: hilarious stuff. Yeah, there's
1: been some awesome stuff that due to the bad actors in that fed that we won't see again, and that's very frustrating. Because I, I'm like you, I was a very big Chikara fan, I was very disappointed to hear that some folks that I respected at were responsible for some fairly reprehensible behavior.
0: Right? That, and that's what they say they say one bad apple will spoil the bunch
1: yes but I, I appreciate that Chikara influence because this is supposed to be fun this whole landscape of the community and digital wrestling promotions it's supposed to be a hobby and having that kind of dedicated space for not taking this seriously and laughing at this hobby, which is supposed to be fun, I think is important. So the what are some of those comedy bits that you are attempting in that like how do you even pull that off in digital wrestling? Like how are you doing this? Because that's a whole thing in and of itself.
0: On the screen, it's mostly during the comedy shows where we'll have our inside jokes that we joke about in our chats, our roster locker rooms. We'll take all the inside jokes and compile them into a dedicated show.
1: Wow. One of, one
0: of our inside jokes is there's an AEW wrestler named Eddie Kingston.
1: <laughs> okay, yes. Why? Oh, no, no, no,
0: no, 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 no. He said something so perfect that we had to cash in on the meme.
1: Okay, okay.
0: When he what? told Miro, you can redeem these nuts. Okay, and so okay. what we did, we have... A meme like channel point redemption called D's nuts. Why? Because when you buy it, it says you've redeemed it. So you're redeeming these nuts when you do it.
1: You should. I-
0: Except it's completely useless and it's there for a joke. But yet people right. just empty their pockets because of the meme.
1: They'll use their channel points because of the meme. That's amazing. Right. Literally, that like we tough. have
0: valuable stuff in there that people can get, but they choose the meme instead. That is great. We've had awesome. one of That's our jokes true. is we one of our jokes is we have a guy named Sawa Yoshihiro who's been with us since the very beginning. The fact that he has the name Yoshi in Yoshihiro, we took it upon ourselves to meme about the green dinosaur.
1: Right from Mario, it's um, Nintendo, yeah.
0: Yes, who this guy fights in this last comedy show?
1: Yoshi. Yoshi. There you go.
0: For <laughs> a green dinosaur in a ring for about forty people on Twitch.
1: So, so please, please tell me that he we have Mario as a handler for the Green Yoshi
2: Dinosaur.
0: We didn't that day, but what if I told you Mario was actually an 11-time Tag Team Champion? I would
2: respect it only. It was, not all of those runs were with Luigi, but some of them were with Toad, and Toad was actually Hornswalker.
0: It's, it's the only thing.
2: That's... I know what I'm going to be doing after this uh,
1: recording. Oh. Well, what about... Uh... This this really makes me wish that there was more viable intergender capability on the game because yes, we okay. all know that the best tag team partner for Mario. Oh, is- yeah, absolutely.
0: Oh god, they would be overpowered but, together. Let's just talk about.
2: Uh, <laughs> now, now, if we're talking intergender matches, okay. If we're talking intergender yeah. matches, we need to, you know, we need to put Mario versus Link. Oh wait. <laughs>
0: Hey! Oh man, I, I used to I used to hate people for making that joke. Like, oh, come uh, on, man! That was the fir- like that was the first series of games I ever started to beat when I was a kid.
2: Now, to be fair, uh, the first Nintendo game I played was Legend of Zelda, but I started on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. But I, it wasn't even the original Zelda game. It was one of the later Zelda games that I'm like wait a second, it, do they have a female Link now? I, I legitimately had to wonder that because, and I mean, I don't care <laughs> if they were or not, it was just based on what they did with the graphics on the game.
0: Made it very yeah. easy to do that. Yeah.
2: yeah, they made it way too easy to, to ask that question. And yeah, I, yes. I can't fault anybody that does it now.
0: It's 2022, you never know.
2: <laughs> I mean, but, um, I mean, she, she,
1: it is, I mean, it is, I mean, she is chic. I mean, she is more yeah. capable of taking care of herself than Link is, anyway. So, I mean,
0: <laughs> Sheik's pretty badass, though.
1: She is. Like, I, I remember yeah. I a friend of mine um, with uh, Smash Brothers, and we had to ban him for playing Zelda because of how uh, good he was with the Sheik alt uh, form uh, with Zelda
2: on Smash Wait, was Brothers. this uh, was Hysterius? No, no, no! This was uh my. Okay, friend. one time. Okay, all right. I got it, Damien. Damien
1: but... and I, when we played Smash Brothers, we were both terrible at it. Like
2: we, right. that was first when you brought it up. That was the first person I thought it was Damien. Okay.
1: But, so the thing about it is, is that you've got all of these influences: Chikara and Lucha Underground, and the anime influence. So. What do you look for in talent and roster members? Like, do you have any kind of requirements with bringing people into the roster for
0: your show?
2: Do you require a sobriety check?
0: Imagine, but no. The requirements to get in aren't really that high, really. Because I'm that guy that I'll look at somebody and I'll know. Like, I'll almost know right away they're worth bringing in, even if it's someone that people don't really know. Right: So there's a balance of really three things I go off of. One is what's the guy's work ethic? How does he do with in the companies that he's in right now? stuff like that? like is he like is he doing well? Is he active with this work? you know, put, putting the time and the money in type thing? Well, not really the money, but the time.
2: Well metaphysical, metaphysically speaking, or metaphorically speaking, the money yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, yeah
0: and this one's not very important this is just me giving advice to people is the ability to adapt to our way of life because we're completely different from everybody else our rules are completely out of whack compared to everyone else including ufn
2: right right,
1: and right. we'll get into that in just a minute
0: and <laughs> hit different shout out to you yeah. luger
1: yep yeah, friend of the show luke luger
2: interviewed him recently um, oh yeah i actually hit that up
0: that's actually that's actually the first podcast i heard was the ufn one
1: well,
2: we yeah appreciate i you. i heard something that you started with that one and went backwards so was that was that you that did that <laughs>
0: okay. yep, there you go but the ability uh, to adapt what's that
1: going backwards they just get worse and worse so yeah. just uh,
2: either it's so that or weird. i just start or i just start sounding more and more sober
0: yeah, I like that. <laughs> Sometimes going backwards to hear it get worse and worse is a way of saying, hey, yo, they've improved over time. There you go. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, any other requirements? You say I listed on here on name value. So, what do you mean by like name value?
0: That one's not as important. For me, the work ethic is number one, and the ability to adapt is number two. That's for, for me, the name value is the least important one because that name value one I listed because there's going to be some people that may be needed to add weight to the roster that can help influence and help grow the names that are not known.
1: Well, understandable. This seems like the perfect segue because you actually are one of the few brands in digital wrestling that has a call of a real-life wrestler on your roster who is active within the call scene you have kid bandit on your roster and there you go. Is something that is wholly unique can you talk to us a little bit about how that works and is working because i know that he just made his debut what is that a week ago or two weeks ago for um League? at
0: it's the right? end of january
1: i knew that it was not too far ago
0: yeah, um, it was like maybe three weeks ago at the very most.
1: Right. So, uh, talk to us a little bit about that setup. Like, is is Kid doing his own call? Is someone helping him with that? Like, what is the situation there? I'm just very interested in that setup and how it's worked. <laughs> so, what
0: happened was I was scrolling one day, which is about normal. <laughs> like, you look, like you look. Oh, it's Saturday. Must be scrolling day. <laughs> So we were scroll one day and we see a bunch of people that we know quote tweeting Kid Bandit in good light and he and he was talking very positively about various communities LGBTQ Caw, just very just like various communities and like obviously he's a great person So I was like this man oh and mental health too that's very yes. important to me too that's like yes. that's like almost number one for me so I quote tweet with my own bit of praise because it's like, this man no- acknowledges all these things that many more people need to. I respect this guy. I, so, and then I follow him because, you know, I support what he's, his message. He then follows back instantly. Well, I didn't even get to leave the page yet. Okay. <laughs> so then I send a DM telling him thank you and everything and I'm like, I didn't even know you used to do gaw. We start talking a little bit and then he's like, yeah, wait, do you have spots open? <laughs>
1: That's amazing!
0: I'm just like, wait, hold up. Dude. This wait, guy did just I... asked me about spots.
1: Well, only a few weeks ago had debuted for AEW on a spot. Got yes. given up a huge platform. Is asking... About a, call, about, a,
2: about a digital promotion in the call community. Yeah, It's just... It's <laughs> a, it's, funny. it's amazing. Now, this
0: was back in about October, November yeah. at the time. Yeah, so I was like... So I was like, "Yeah, we got a couple." He's like, "Give me one." I'm just like, "Well, that was easy." So I made, so I like made the graphic because I usually have a signing graphic for the biggest signings. Right. Yeah. Like you know how like AEW will do their all elite type thing. We have the Smash Bros ultimate template that says, "Insert name here joins the battle." Right. Right. We got a render of Kid Bandit. Put his name on it, and it and it literally says Kid Bandit joins the battle. Yeah, I and it that. kind of blew up more than I thought it would.
1: Right. Yeah. Because right. I I remember seeing that, I was like, huh.
2: I I think I had the same response because and and I mean I'm I'm a little out of the loop on the indie scene right now. So I that was the first time I'd heard of Kid Bandit. I had to go look up yeah. his work on YouTube.
1: And then we see that, wow, this guy's is, is a pretty top notch worker for the limited time that he's been in the
2: business, and yeah, so very a very outstanding rookie, yeah, I mean and oh yeah,
0: give him a three, five years, and he's gonna oh going to be going place. places
2: guaranteed well i mean i i you know I, I don't want to get into to past you know experience with any pro wrestlers, but I can think of a few people who Had a similar vibe to that where their first, even their first, you know, six to nine months to a year in the business, and you knew they were going to be places. And, you know, several of them are
1: now. So, does uh, do you know of any of the other places that before he uh started wrestling where he did his call stuff?
0: I actually don't, I haven't really asked about.
1: That would that but I do he, know he's
0: currently difficult to get a hold of because of how working. much DMs he gets
1: out he's
2: working. I mean, he's job
0: outside of wrestling. he's doing yeah. stuff in the ring at the same time as
2: well right right I mean i I'm saying I'm kind of saying it sarcastically. I mean, you know, you can imagine why he might be getting, hard to get a hold of. but no, i have I have thing. friends like that as well. so
1: it's it's a unique thing and I wanted to touch on that because I mean, in the We see it all the time where we know that there are a lot of current wrestlers like, say, Xavier Woods, like AJ Styles, like Kenny Omega, folks that their interest is how they relax as they're a part of gaming communities. And I think that it's kind of cool to see it turn full circle that here you have someone who, had an interest in call, was involved in the community, put that dream into reality, is now working as an active wrestler, and is also saying, hey, I still want to do this as a part of my hobby in my free time. It's just, it's a cool thing to think about that there's somebody who has that level of interest in character work, and what they want to do, and also, rightly so, kind of understands the aspect of the business of, hey, this is another way that I can engage people. I can engage people with this avatar on this show and pop in, and then they might be more willing to come and pay money to see me wrestle at this event when I pop up. And so, I think that it's it's a it's a really cool way of doing business and being open with uh, the fans and community that he is attempting to build. It's a really smart use of technology and social media and content creation. And also, it's excellent for you to be able to give this guy a, a platform, especially someone that you feel connected to and you appreciate the positivity that he's attempting to bring out. And I think that's awesome.
0: Oh yeah. I could tell you stories about when that signing took place, obviously everybody was surprised. I was just like, but come on, he's a good dad. I was like, come on, he's a good dude. Right. But one thing that people have told me before is if you was to sign a real wrestler, Kid it's the perfect one. Why? Because outside of call, of in the real life wrestling, whether you've seen him on Dark, whether you've seen him on DPW or Deadlock, he's known as the protagonist of pro wrestling. He is literal anime incarnate.
2: Right. That's, that's what, the little getting... bit I, I've seen of him, I caught that same vibe.
0: There you go. It was an easy contract. Everybody figured, yep, that makes complete sense. It wasn't way out, out left field.
1: Yes. It wasn't signing
0: Eddie
2: Kingston. Now, 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 to be fair, we made... A call of Josephus right, before he died. Years. This rest was like a soul. year or two. Yeah, yeah. May he rest in peace. And I recall making a call of another indie guy that was local to here by the name of Adam Stanton. That's he right, went too. by that. Of course, I know T A personally, which is how that happened. And so, I mean. It's a lot different when you know we're reaching out to the person and they're collaborating with us on a call, and they're active in the community like Kid Bandit is, and and I I've got mad props for the dude in that regard that he's still willing to to you know be active in the you know with the community. You know I'd I'd be cool if it was somebody who just you know was like yeah I'll help you do a move set based on my move set, or hey. What do you need for a face texture? Yeah, exactly. We're not, we're not we're not naming names here, Victor Benjamin.
0: Yeah. Speaking of, how like how does his moveset get handled and all that?
2: Wait yeah, so I, yeah. So, so yeah. John, did you do Kid Bandit's moves? You did. Okay.
0: Yeah, we wanted to take that load off and oh. make sure he wasn't like the one like trying to overload his schedule, overload yeah. his work.
2: I would hope that you, while well, you did it yourself. That you ran stuff by him, you know. Is this stuff you would do, in, you know, in, a, in, you know, that you would have done yourself or that you could do it? I mean, theoretically, I, I guess, you know, he could
1: do whatever move, but... That you're creating. Yeah.
2: Right. But yeah, I'm saying that you give him the approval of the move set at the end of the day. Yeah, because
0: right? we don't have move set rules right. over here, for example. So, like, if you came in with an attitude adjustment and you were just sitting there like, hey, I'm just going to throw this, that's my first move of the match. You would just continue on as is, as if it never happened, because we allow that, which is what makes it easy to sign people like Kid Bandit. not because of the vibe, but because it gives us that freedom to create the exact moveset or the closest thing to it that he currently does use. And we went off of accuracy with his moveset more than anything. Wanted to make sure we got... Either no. the right moves or as close as possible.
2: Right. And, see, and that's what I I was wanting to know if you had any discussion with him on that, I guess. But you may have not needed to.
0: Now, I've I've wanted to. But I just know his schedule's tight as hell.
1: So yeah. maybe the where we're gonna before we go to the break, what do you look for in talent? Now you kinda of answered this when you're I'm sorry, this is not what you look for. It's like what do you have any requirements for prospective members? Like, do you have anything that... Well, actually, we we covered that, too. but That we're already. And so,
2: okay. uh, I, I just want to comment, I'm the one drinking over here, and he's the one stumbling over what question we're on. Yeah, with me looking at the format right in front of me. Well, the, I'm looking at the format, too, and sipping on bourbon. And you're the one stumbling <laughs> over questions.
0: so uh, now, I got Cherry I, Sher- I Dr. Pepper. Does that count?
2: Yes. Yes. It does.
0: There you sure. go. <laughs> W's. Hey,
2: Beverage of choice, man. Beverage of choice.
1: So the thing of it is, is that are there any... One thing that I just want to go, kind of go all format before we hit the... Are there any kind of particular anime that you're trying to evoke in what you're attempting to do? Like, are there kind of favorites that you kind of... Uh, we definitely need to bring this kind of vibe in, or is it more of hey, let's go in and meme these different jokes and things that we're adding into our storyline because it's adding to the fun aspect of what we're attempting to do.
2: I guess, and if I can add something to that, is there, are there any animes that you might stay away from?
0: Well, I would say a popular like way of doing things like a popular style is Dragon Ball, which is really the easiest one to work around and kind of, bring that selling point. Another one that's another one that became popular around fall for us was My Hero Academia.
1: Yeah, well, that's been popular a long time, but I can see I can see where the fall fall aspect.
2: See, I'm out of date with a lot of more recent anime. I I haven't well, yeah, because I'm old. I haven't really paid attention to much anime stuff in, in least fifteen years. Oh, My Hero
0: oh, dang! So you probably haven't even seen Battle of Gods yet.
2: No, I haven't. I have no idea what that is. You, you will have to message me on that. I'll have to put it on a watch list. Uh, also, you need, you should probably
1: watch at least the first two seasons of My Hero Academia. I, I oh, like, I like. I, all of I've it.
2: actually, I've heard of it. I've been avoiding it. Oh, really? I yeah. felt
1: the same way until okay. I sat down and I watched the first season and I was like, this is much better than I expected it to be. The writing of it is incredibly solid, and it's, um, it is not as goofy as I was expecting the character design to be. Because when yeah. I first saw it, when I first saw the character design, my instant look at it, and I I, I know that I'm wrong now, I was like, oh, why does this look like Yu-Gi-Oh! And, that was, that was kind of my vibe on this. And then I was like, everybody was like, saying, give it a chance, give it a chance, give it a chance, get past the animation, get past the design, and it's very, very good. And oh. I got past it, and I was like, this is very incredibly well written and done very well.
2: Well, to, to, give, to give you an idea of the animes that I liked, I liked Kira, I liked Ghost in the Shell, I loved Perfect Blue. And I wish that StoryCon was still with us.
1: And some of um, my some of my favorite yeah. animes have been Psychopaths, which that's another great one that you need to see, Gary, because I think that you would yes. like it. It's very cyberpunk. Cyberpunk yeah, Durah Rah, which is a unique one because it's not really a, a fighting anime, it's more of a
2: crime. See, that, that sounds animated. like that sounds more like up my um, alley. Because Perf- perfect, perfect. was about like watching a Hitchcock film, but animated.
1: Trigon Those would probably be my favorite. Oh, I, I think those would be my favorite if I had to list my favorite animes. All those are a little bit okay. old, but they they are like if I had to do a top five list, those would be on my yes. top three.
2: I got. I'm not a huge fan of the fighting animes, but I I got. I had to sit through Gundam Wing, one of the Gundam (laughs) Wing series, because a buddy of mine was a huge fan of it, and we were sitting there at his house doing something else, he just, he'd put on the tapes, and I had to go to an anime convention, and he was like, I want you you to, I'm giving um, you money, I'm giving you money, pick up all the models you can find, six or eight models, yeah, he was, he was wanting to collect the models, and (laughs) I wound up buying me a couple of them, just for shits and giggles so we oh, yeah, have so, something if, to sit there and do. Uh, collectors
0: so. are really dedicated to it, to like, yeah, collecting all yeah, the stuff are. that they can. It's, it's insane.
1: So, and, uh, Dragon Ball is popular in GTT. Yeah. My Hero Academia is popular in GTT. Are there any other uh, animes? What, what about Neon Genesis?
0: People haven't really talked about that one, but I will list off the ones that are popular on the roster. I'd, Obviously, it's Dragon Ball. I'm,
2: added, I'm asking about Neon Genesis for a reason. I will tell you all fair.
0: Got you. But Dragon Ball's popular. My Hero Academia's popular. Demon Slayer's starting to get popular yeah, it's over
2: right
0: here. It right. um, got popular for a minute.
1: Yeah. You know what I'm surprised isn't more of an influence uh, over there a little bit? Is folks gravitating to some of the uh, designs of the Skinagami and Death Note.
0: There's been a couple people who talked about Death Note, actually. And what's funny is there's somebody that... They're not on my roster, but they're basic, but they're like kind of lingering in the shadows a little bit. His name's Adrian Bowen. He is basically the Shinigami from Death Note.
1: Ah, he's real!
0: Like, there is a little bit of Death Note, and he is that little bit of Death Note.
1: That's, that's, that's neat. So, now, with that being said, guys, we are here with... John Baker the owner and promoter of Grand Tournament Temple and this is the first half of our interview diving deep into his creation and the work that goes into developing his digital wrestling promotion. If you would like to be on Project WWWN to discuss your character, or to discuss your digital wrestling promotion, get with us with our link tree at Willow. This is W-L-O dot link forward slash at Project W W -W N. You will see our forms for building legends and for dynasties in progress, and you can get with us about that. Follow us on Twitter. Also, reach out to Grand Tournament Temple that is at GTT Official on Twitter. And check out what is going on in Grand Temple Tournament. We will be right back with the second half of a Grand Temple of our interview with Grand Tournament Temple. Alright, everybody. Welcome back to Project WWWB And we are here with John Baker, the owner of Grand Tournament Temple. And we have been having a wonderful conversation about his anime-inspired Digital Wrestling Federation. So, to get into a better understanding of what he does as far as his show, we're going to talk a little bit about how he sets up his promotion. Like, how he actually does things in the game to make the feel work appropriately. and. Honestly, what makes him different as opposed to other feds that we've a interviewed and b that we see commonly in the community? So with, or that we're involved with, right? So let's uh, talk about your setup, John. So first of all, is your promotion storyline based, sim based, or AI versus AI? Is it highlight reel, or is it something else? How would you kind of describe? it? your content, like the the main way of you producing your show.
0: It's a little bit of everything. It's mostly AI versus AI, maybe 70% of the time. 75%, something like that. And that's just so we can classify ourselves as an E-Fed. But there are some times where we will have a story-based finish when it's important. And when it's necessary, sometimes we will do the HLR when necessary as well to kind of add to the story, to guarantee ourselves a quality match. Because you never know what the AI versus AI is going to do.
1: Right. Or Not at least add you yourself a quality finish to a match. You can have an amazing AI versus AI match, and then the finish is garbage.
2: All right. Or <laughs> right. yeah. the finish is something that is counterproductive to the story that you're hoping to tell.
0: And that's why we do a hybrid approach, where if something is, like, kind of there just to, like, fill the card, it usually will be AI versus AI, but if there's, like, a critical story that is really important to tell, that's where the highlight reel comes in, to guarantee ourselves the right finish, the right style of match. It's reserved for the most protected stories.
1: Right, right. So in that... Uh, because it's AI versus AI, there has to be a, a semblance of fairness. So in that, what's the overall that you have your your superstars set up for?
0: 90 overall, my friend.
1: Okay, so, and do you feel that that might change on uh, 2K22? How, what are your feelings about going to the new game?
0: With the fact we don't know a lot about how attributes are going to work yet, it's hard to say plus from what i've heard there may be unlimited reversals by default and f- and is forced to yes. be that way
2: well they're, they're they've changed how the reversals work and it is technically unlimited reversals yeah. but there's also like a dodge mechanic and a stamina mechanic stun mechanic excuse me a stun mechanic that is being added into the game and so we don't know how any of that is going to work as far as stats
0: Yeah, any and depending other... on and depending on how easy it is to build a ninety overall, if it's easy enough, we might keep it. But if it's too much, to keep at ninety, we may upgrade to ninety-four. Right. That's all. That's on the table currently, but we just have to wait and see how it all plays out. How it feels well, as well, what overall.
2: Something that I've noticed, just based. I mean, and I know they're not going to reveal everybody. But on the based on the talent they have revealed, I've looked at the amount of people that are above ninety. And I've got to wonder if you know that that ninety benchmark or that above ninety benchmark, rather, is going to be really a stand apart from the rest of the crowd or if it's going to be just, you know, like in you know previous years where it's you know it's hit and miss you know that 90 benchmark could be you know we've seen a 90 wrestler be beat by an 80 something wrestler you know we've seen it happen
1: consistently before
2: yes and uh, and it depends on it depends on various other settings that you, that you can set up in the in the set area yeah
0: it's hard to say for 22 just because the game is way too different compared to what we know like
2: it, like have, the way i it. see huh They have made that effort, apparently.
0: Yeah, what I can say is I always see, like, I see 22 as the foundation for this upcoming generation of 2K games. I don't see it as oh, this is the big moment, the big comeback, the greatest of all time. I'd say it's the foundation to something bigger in in the next several years.
1: I'm gonna have to say depending on the outcome on it and how the game plays, I'm gonna say that I'm gonna have to agree with you on that because it really comes down to we're not going to have any big leaps until one or two years when they're not building anything well, old-gen,
2: when everything... Yeah. Uh, I, don't ex- do after, after yeah. I don't think they're going to do multi-gen after 2K22. I don't think they'll do multi-gen yeah, after 2 k Yeah,
0: I think this is the last multi-gen game. And again, I think it's the foundation. And, and I'm going to oh. call 22 a, a starting point for the I'll next gen. With,
2: I'm going to go a step further. I'm going to go a step further. And if if I can make the comparison, I will. I'm I'm gonna. I'm hoping that 2K22 is on par with say 2K16 or 17, and it's not the foundation game. And I'm I'm doing that with as much quote marks as I can here. That 2K15 was because 2K15 was was as much garbage was, as 2K20.
1: Yeah, it was such a stripped down version of what.
0: I'll give you that. Right. Like my hope yeah. is that it's a better foundation than 15, but I yeah. don't expect it to be as good as 14.
2: Right. 2K14 was practically a different company.
0: Yeah. To, it was I mean, almost a perfect game too.
1: Was. Yeah. You're missing one aspect, and that was, in my opinion, the creative finisher. That was really
2: it. You, 2K14, I thought. Was, I, that did that. Was that where they removed it? No, it had been removed in 2K13. I thought it was 2K14 they removed. I couldn't remember. I,
0: I thought it was earlier. I thought it was like 12.
2: It was well, it, within that three-year span where it was taken yeah. out. Hey, it was either 13 or 14, probably. But it, the thing was was that they stripped down the, the a lot of the creator-wrestler stuff so much in 2K15 that there were characters that I would routinely make that I couldn't make in 2K15.
0: Right. This is where so I'm lucky because I didn't start building GTT until like the middle of nineteen, eighteen, something Maybe. like that. I I wasn't even doing anything for for call back in fifteen. Right. Right.
1: And neither were we, but we were still well, creating. No, I mean, we were, uh, yeah, we, we were
2: creating still, stuff, but we weren't involved we weren't call. in in call. We had
0: yeah,
1: but so let's get back. So. With Grand Temple Tournament, you've got kind of the unique rules. You have standard matches. So what are the standard rules for your uh, typical matches?
0: So normally we normally our standard match is a regular one-on-one, traditional pinfall submission, stuff like that.
1: And, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, you were getting to it.
0: Yeah, we have 20-minute time limits, no countouts at all for any match. We do still have rope breaks and disqualifications, though.
2: Right, because so, and... there's got to be some kind of structure. But, and it's... the other, the other thing on the, the the countout thing that the AI seems to be so bloody inconsistent with how it handles going outside the ring with matches that it's best to turn like the, the countout off if you're doing AI versus AI. And
0: right, because like twenty counts is is a decently safe bet. Ninety percent of the time, but there is the occasion where you'll get a count out. Still, it's the ten count you can't trust.
2: No, you can't trust the ten. Oh, absolutely yeah. not. You, yeah, absolutely not. And I, and I think we've been doing a twenty count in the game. Like you said, there is the ninety percent, and and we're willing to risk the ninety percent. We're willing to risk that ten percent for the sake of the sake story point. And yeah,
0: and there's been good storytelling with it.
2: Now, so. But I yeah. understand. I but I do understand you turning it off completely.
1: Uh, being that you're more of a story-based fan, and you you kind of fluctuate with the use of AI, seventy-five percent of the time. So, how often do we see the use of gimmick matches? And do you have any specialty gimmick matches that you've created specifically for uh, Grand Tournament Temple?
0: Oh yeah, there, there's a few that kind of stand out. One of them is the Hell of War match. This is where the Lucha Underground influence starts to come in. To town. If you've ever sat down and heard some of the weird match, ty- match types they've had, we've taken what we can with the game and tried to recreate some of it, including the Hell of War match. Obviously, there's no ambulance match, so we can't do it right. But now, our number one... Oh, say, most.
1: So, what is uh, what is the kind of rule set up for
0: that match? So that's it's best two out of three, but there's two versions of it, which I call 1.0 or 2.0. What's the difference, you might ask? 1.0, all three falls are the same match type. Okay. 2.0, which is where I use pre-recording YouTube magic. Right. Each match type is different.
1: So that's, it's sort of like a three stages of
0: of Hell. Basically. It's basically our version of three stages from Hell, but that's not even our most protected match type. Right. That's maybe silver medal at best.
1: So what's your most protected match type?
0: Again, from Lucha Underground with our own twist, we do a Hell in a Cell Iron Man, but we call it Sacrifice to the Gods. And if you've ever been inside Hell in a Cell for 30 straight minutes or an hour straight... With Iron Man rules, there you go. This is where, like, this is where twenty made this match really well done. Because yes. even though it can work on nineteen, this is where a t- this is where detail matters. On twenty, yeah. a normal Hell in a Cell style setting, which was round three of Hell of War, would use a normal cage, a normal cell. Sacrifice to the God specifically uses the red one. Right. And there's a story with that match too, not just because it's grueling and like evil and dangerous. Back in season two, we introduced it as a way for our monster of a man called the Worldbreaker, because here, here's how the match story worked. Throughout the match, the cage would take the essence or the energy of a mortal fighter as they, as they continue to fight. So, by the time the match is over, they're completely drained, even if they win.
1: Alright, so, I had a little bit of break up on my end there, so, I got to the point where it said that the cage would take the essence. Could you repeat what that said? Oh, so, not your fault.
2: I, I heard it just fine.
0: So, the cage would take the essence, or the energy, of a mortal soul. Think about, uh, in Dragon Ball, for example, how a, how a fighter would slowly get drained of their energy, making them right. weaker throughout the fight. Right. By the end of the match, even if they win, they're they're still completely out of it. Even in victory. And why did the cage take this energy? And why did this cage take this energy? Because it was used to resurrect this monster's wife. And now she's a part of the roster full time.
1: And she should be.
0: And it's kind of the villain of that brand for the women.
1: That's great.
0: That's great. That's, great. That's another thing. Every so often, we'll have like a short-term made character that'll exist for maybe three months. That's kind of right. the villain of the time. And then a big baby face is going to beat it probably. And then the character disappears that, like, it. like it's an anime villain.
1: That, and you see, that is... I like that approach because it gives people um, an opportunity to get some shine with a creative story and that we we're going to be introducing a similar concept that we have planned for worldwide wrestling network on a on a little bit scaled out idea but a little bit later on that then that, that's another thing that I like about what you're doing over there in Grand Tim Grand Tournament Temple is you're not afraid to rotate out characters and and bring Things to a close to start something on a c- almost series by series basis. I, I I really like that approach to what you're doing. So, another question that's kind of important, just in kind of the setup that people will often ask is, do you use universe mode to run matches, or do you use another method?
0: Exhibition for all the matches, and that's for a few reasons, especially with nineteen. The universe cutscenes, you can only watch them so many times without getting bored out of your mind. That's one thing. Also, as a, as a show owner, one thing that we have to fiddle with is game balancing sliders. And you don't really have to, because Luger does it, but, but, but that's one thing. When it comes to the sliders, oh,
2: they don't work correctly in universe mode. we messed with the sliders. Yeah, we've messed with the sliders and found that out.
0: Yeah, they don't work correctly on universe mode. At least on 19 and 20, they didn't.
1: No, it would make some things out of balance. On 2K18, they they were better in universe mode, but in on 19, they did not work that well.
0: Got you. Yeah, I wouldn't know about 18 too much. That's the one I played the least in the 2K series, because I was just playing different games at the time.
2: Right, right. I I had a similar experience, but I was playing it on... I bought the game on PC, and... Yeah, let, let's just not go further with that. <laughs> I bought the game on PC and regretted. it. So with that being said, these two
1: questions kind of go together. So like, how do you uh, rank your title belts and what sort of divisions do you have there for your talent to participate in?
0: So this is going to sound like a lot of championships because we have two brands, right. which means two shows a week. One brand is called Warchain, and the vibe with that because we have a bit of a theme for the arenas and all that stuff right 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 the theme for warchain and this is where it kind of disconnects from the anime a little bit just to bring something a little different the general theme around all things warchain is Norse mythology and that's with like the arena design match card design, even my stream overlays but Even though there's not really Norse mythology-sounding title names, the Men's World Championship for it is called the Death Metal Championship, which was taken as Death Metal is a music genre, a very, very intense one.
1: Yes, that also has a lot of its influence within Denmark, Sweden, Norway.
0: Yeah, There you go, but also... Actually, I'll be honest, I actually didn't think about that, so that, thank you for for telling me. (laughs) But no, the concept with that is, at least 90% of the time, that's not just a world title, it's also a hardcore championship simultaneously.
1: Ah, okay, so it's being contested under different rules.
0: Most of the time. Sometimes we'll leave it normal on occasion, but it's usually in some sort of deathmatch. Sacrifice to the gods, maybe essentially a gimmick match if possible right but there's no 24 7 rule with it so right. so you can't just roll up the champ and leave
1: right your <laughs> promotion
0: unfortunately <laughs> otherwise he would be a 50 time 24 7 champ we would have bait the belt right 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 <laughs> but no for that brand
2: hey to be but- fair ron's a good guy ron's a good guy to be fair
0: that's true. That's true. That man does not age. Him and Will Smith need to send me their their anti aging cream.
2: I I uh no I I didn't get into a lot of conversation with Ron, but I have met him.
0: There you go. I've so that's very, the world very title very, for yeah. that brand. So the mid card championship for the men, it's called the Multiverse Championship. Okay. The closest the closest regular championship that can be compared to it is maybe the United States title. Okay. Okay. Something like that. For the women, each one each brand only has one women's title, which is obviously a world title. For the women, they're called the monarch of the of the division. Okay. At the monarchs championship, tag team titles, they're cross brand. There's only one set for everybody. Right. And that's where tag teams can all, are also signed to cross brand deals, no matter what.
1: Right, because that makes sense.
0: That's for the War Chain brand. The other one's called Pantheon. That, where I mentioned how War was more Norse? This is where we get Greek around here, Greek mythology. The men's world title for that, it's called the Warlord's Championship, which tells us that the men's world champion is the Warlord. Right, right, right. Then, there's the Hybrid Championship, which the closest regular championship to describe that would be the Intercontinental title. Okay. The Diamond Heart Championship is for the women. And then again, tag teams for everybody. Right. So same titles as described earlier. So that's our championships over here. All right. So there's and two men's titles, one women's title, and everybody, and pretty much tag teams just go wherever.
1: So basically, uh, to sum this up, you've got your Death Metal Heavyweight Championship, which is the pan- the War Chain World Title. And then you have your Warlords Championship, which is your heavyweight title for Pantheon. And then your Multiverse Championship, which is featured on uh, War Chain, and Hybrid Champion that's featured on Pantheon.
0: You nailed it right on the head.
1: And then you got uh, and your Monarch World <laughs> title is for your women's division on Warchain, and then Diamond Heart is for Pantheon, with your tag team titles being your kind of cross-promotional thread that ties the two brands together for Grand Tournament Temple. That does our divisions, but I think Gary had a question about your some of the rules that you have Oh, for-
2: Well, I, I had just... Because I had imagined when you mentioned the Deathmatch title does have kind of a hardcore element to it. I was just curious if any of the... Either of the mid-card titles had, like, the hybrid title or the multiverse title had any sort of gimmick stipulation, any kind of any kind of stipulation, but, but gimmick came to mind because I, I was brainstorming the multiverse idea. I, I just think that is a neat concept for a title oh, name, so... Oh,
0: yeah, they don't have any special gimmicks, those two. Even the Warlord is still just as traditional as a normal title. The only one that has a bit of a concept is the death metal championship on the warchain brand being primarily a deathmatch slash hardcore slash gimmick match championship.
2: Or as close to a deathmatch as we can get in a two K game.
0: Basically. Yeah. Hey and, and I mean, is your best basically friend.
2: means hey, which basically means we are holding out a certain hope for both the virtual basement game and the AEW game when they release. That they, they have more deathmatch oriented content in those games.
0: Oh, yeah I'm looking forward so, to the future when it comes to, to all that,
2: oh yeah. I, I'm looking forward to being able to do like like to see digital promotions do content on whichever game I'm looking and, forward and across all games for that matter. I'm looking forward to see exactly that last one that right. but, yeah, there's because a I'm, lot. I was telling I was telling Isaac that you know, as many games that are on the horizon. We could almost go back to the original WWWN format and sit there and say, okay, we're putting, you know, this brand on SP on the 2K games, this brand on the AW game, this brand on the uh, virtual basement game, this brand on the one that I never remember and keep Jeff reminding me of.
1: Horrible.
2: That's or it. violence. You know, I mean, we we could do something like that if we actually wanted, or, or any promotion could, that they could devote a brand to a particular game. And I find that idea fascinating. So,
1: essentially, I like that concept of potentially dedicating a brand to a specific game, but that's going to be a, a thing that as we get more variety with wrestling games and potential content, that's going to be exciting, especially when we see what next gen gaming and the different games that are coming out and being built for those gens are going to give us.
2: But, but your approach, John, you know that that made that kind of got me thinking about that and just making me wonder, you know. To what extent, you you know, you were pushing it or you might want to push it in the future.
0: It's definitely going to be tough to say which game we're going to be on because you never know because there's multiple to, games coming say, out. You,
2: you know, you don't have to commit to any game today other than, you know, 2K com- the, the 2K game comes out on March 8th. I mean, right. we don't have launch dates for the other ones, but... Yeah, I mean, that's true.
0: You know, All I can say is... is, is you know, huh?
2: Your thoughts on what we might do, you know, what might be done there.
0: There's so like there's so much coming out. It's really a lot of information to take in. You know what I mean? Especially with three different games coming out over the next, let's say, two years. Let's say, just to be safe. Because like Wrestling Code's got a lot of potential, but we haven't seen full gameplay just yet.
2: And, and I, starting start no, the to shit together. To be, fair, to be fair, on Wrestling Code, they they announced something couple of weeks ago saying they were dedicating 2k or 2022 to showing gameplay rather than roster announcements which they did last year I
0: think which that's a w to progress. be honest I think that's a w because we got a lot of roster reveals and 2021 yeah it was basically roster reveal plus physics testing
2: and they have also brought up you know that they were capturing moves yeah. with a lot of with a lot of these wrestlers that were signed. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. that that's a promising that's a promising thing to me that is something that i i wish 2k was more willing to do t- to space out because you know it's like we said earlier with the content creators involved with the game to the extent that they are post launch 2k could could take 2k22 and ride that to 2k24 I'd, I'd no no question in my mind, I mean, yeah, there'd need to be some, some various roster and moveset updates on Therian, hmm. but there's a lot of stuff that would be done by content creators very happily Oh
0: yeah, if they, like, knew, if
2: they knew that investment was being made on the next game.
0: Oh yeah, like, there's people who, whenever an update for an attire comes out, like somebody wears something special for the pay-per-views, P-pe- people have that stuff up on CC within an hour. And it's like, how do you make somebody's WrestleMania 38 attire in 30, 40 minutes? Like, it's just insane. It's like, if we can do this from our basements, they should be able to do it in studios.
1: Especially given the limitations, and we don't have, like, we don't have any kind of a, like, uh, texture mapping to... Build these individual attires. Like, I I am sure that there are creators out there that if they shared us any kind of texture mapping for basic
2: attires, think about the thing. Isaac, I'll go a step further. I'll go a step further. If 2K went half the distance that a company like Bethesda does with their modding community or even their creation club community with what they provide content creators to make for the game. With with the Creation Club, it was, you know, loosely under their supervision. The modding community, it was like, here's the tools. Have at it, bitches. You know, have at it, you know? I mean, knock yourselves out. No, I mean literally knock yourselves out. type <laughs> stuff. And, you know, then you had the Creation Club, which I know it divided a, a segment of that modding community. But look how many of those Creation Club people got brought on to, to full-time gigs with Bethesda creating content. Or even part-time mm-hmm. gigs with Bethesda creating content, and they were paid gigs. To get back onto on track I, well, of well, well, and I'll G- get back on track, but I still would love to see Two K do that.
1: Yeah, I would too. It would be, uh, I mean, there. Uh, think about some of the guys that do incredible work with yeah. indie models, and uh, I mean, I I, I hate to harp on the guy too often, <laughs> but trade Forty One. Uh, yeah, a well,
2: that's, that's the first
1: show. name that comes to my mind. J41 is a friend of the show. J41 is a guy who has done a ton of updates for attires on the um, Xbox end. Then you have entire groups that got together to do ECW Lives and Indie Spirit this year on 2K19 to keep 2K19 alive. They did there's yes. one that I saw
2: announced, and there's one that I saw announced for 2K22.
1: Right, that community, the in calls in and yeah. so I mean, I that kind of actually I mean, brought us to, yes. and that's kind of getting ahead of what we uh, our format. So, with our whole this whole thing, like with creators working together, John. Do you think that's possible for digital wrestling promotions to work together in a holistic, community-wide way? Or, or are there just too many content creators that are, are too protective of their branding to let more cross-promotional possibilities happen? So with that being said, with the communities that we've seen Bethesda create and stuff like that, do you think that content creators on WWE 2K with these games would be able to work more together with more cross-promotional
0: possibilities. Absolutely, yes, because no matter what kind of line of work you're doing, it could be content creation, it could be, like, you could be a pizza delivery guy, you could be literally really anything, but as long as you have the skill set, it's not only what you know, it's also who you know. And this is some advice that was given to me by Jackson Jordan over at TCW.
1: Shout out to Jackson Jordan. He is one of the guys that is a piece of connective tissue between a lot of feds. We've heard his name come up a lot. We've heard Liam Mercer come up a lot. We've heard Luke Luger come up a lot, who is connective tissue.
2: and And I think even Luke brought up Jackson at one point. Yes. I, I, I'm a little fuzzy on, on stuff, but I, I do believe he brought Jackson up, so but yeah, and I and I, I do agree that it is a combination of the two. But it it there's also the, the need for a, a degree of, you know, respect for what both sides bring to the table too, you know and and it's you know
1: And I think that it's important uh to recognize the reasons why we do uh, Project WWN like we do, we want folks to come in and highlight what is unique about their show, what is unique about their fed, and to kind of say, this is what our promotion brings to the table, and to possibly be that bridge to network things together a little
0: bit better. percent Like, if networking... Was something I never did. I would never have met Kid Bandit. Would have never got nope. him on the roster.
2: And that's you know, there there's several you know acquaintances, friends, and acquaintances I've made over the years that were you know accidental because of networking, because some of the most random networking actually. So
0: right, a lot of our stuff is accidental. Yeah. So I I can relate.
2: So now, with all of that being said,
1: we all uh, believe that things can be better and we can promote more crawls promotionally so let's talk about how do you make your ideas and your vibe in your promotion work in the confines of the a game that is sometimes
0: kind of a broken mess you can say that again so a lot of people even if i would try to deny it oh yeah even if i try to deny this nobody will let me but i'm a bit of an entrance wizard And what do I mean by that? Presentation, whether it's like with your entrance, your character, all that is extremely important. So let's say my main character, whose name is the Worldbreaker. If he had a mediocre presentation, was kind of basic. You wouldn't believe him to be a creator of existence, would you? No. (laughs) There you go. I have to present the character properly to sell that character. Even Larry Wills, even though he's simplistic compared to everything else, I still have to put, hey, he's a big, strong guy. Why not do big, strong things in his entrance?
1: That's right. You know, I mean, You, know, you just could-
0: look at him, walk, and you can tell, yeah, he's jacked, and he's been doing this for a while.
1: And, and it, it comes not just with making characters work. How, does that, how do you uh, translate that into making a promotion Seem authentic to what you're attempting to present with this anime-inspired world that you've created.
0: By not only keeping an eye, a close eye on the presentation of the character, also the move sets too, because where most places have certain rules with the move sets that are kind of universal, we don't have those same rules. Right.
1: Like, uh, talk to us about some of those rules that are kind of set up in other promotions.
0: The most common rule across every place is there's a ban on finisher movesets. We don't have that same ban. And so
1: a finisher moveset would basically be where primarily most of the moves are coming from. Moves that would typically be a finishing maneuver that is equated with somebody in in the game. Or that by taking it by logic of professional wrestling that somebody uses as a finisher outside right. of a wrestling setting. Right, right.
0: And, and this is just to explain, in case anyone happens to not really know how this stuff works, a finisher moveset is a moveset that's pretty much riddled with those finishers. For example, if somebody puts an attitude adjustment as a normal move, or an end of days as a normal move on a different slot, or a pedigree, or an RKO. Just some examples. Right. Most places I, have bans on those moves being equipped as normal moves, right? And
1: like, I, like I, the thing with is is that I think you and I fair, share a similar perspective on this. You just kind of keep it really open that it, there is no ban on finisher move sets, while we approach it as just proceed with caution. Like, don't don't have too many in a move set. And I think that it comes down to basically on the uh, idea that both Gary and I have with professional wrestling that these are moves. That perfect example, okay? When you look at and do research on wrestling moves, okay, if you look up the pedigree and you look up what that is called in wrestling, that is a double arm Facebuster, okay, and you...
2: Like double
1: Underhook Facebuster. Double Underhook Facebuster. If you look that up and you look at everybody who has used the pedigree, okay, Stevie Ray, Triple H, Jimmy Rave, okay, CM Punk, okay, not all of those folks have used that move as a... Okay.
0: Right, It's really just been Triple H and Seth Rollins.
1: Right. And no, There's been
2: a couple of others.
1: Stevie Ray, yeah, probably, but okay. Rob Van Dam did a version of the very same move that was not a finisher. It was a trademark move of his, but it was his
2: finish. Even Even CM Punk did it not so much as a... It was a potential finisher.
1: Right. right. It was a yeah. high spot. He yeah, did it as... Right.
0: Yeah, he called it the Pepsi Plunge. Yeah.
2: Right.
1: And he did it in a different way, but it was still and a variation of... And that's right. how we uh, kind of approach the finisher moves. It's, it's yeah, it's a named finisher. That's really it. And
2: and here, here's another example, and, and no offense to the people in question, but both Gail Kim and... Xavier Woods do a move. Uh Gail calls hers Eat Defeat. Uh Xavier calls his Lost in the Woods, if I recall correctly. Yes. Basically just a arm wrench, then drop into a kick. Yes. And I mean, that is that could be done as a regular move without anyone really batting a eyelash at it at one point.
1: And uh, and to further make kind of John's Point of view on it think about all the wrestlers big like big heavy super heavyweights that have used chops brain chops uh punches leg drops as finishers are you gonna ban a leg drop a right-handed punch brain chop left-handed punch (laughs) as a and a a bull hammer forearm okay from a move set because it just so happened to be used as a finisher at some right. point in some time in some
2: right so, and it's not even something that that particular wrestler has done the majority of their career
1: so uh, like your approach to this of being more open because it's a little more freeing a creatively and b I think that with your streams, it helps people build a sense of community.
0: 100%. But one one reason that I don't really touch on, and this is part of why we have basically no restrictions on that, is because of the anime theme we have. If you look at any anime protagonist or even antagonist, what's something that no matter what fighting show it is, no matter who the character is, what's one thing? Every fighter has... In- They've got power up. And they're extremely <laughs> overpowered, even if there's zero context as to why. And so, what's the most realistic way for a character with their moveset to be an anime character? Make them stupidly broken for no freaking reason. Right. And, and funny enough, even though this is an open rule that the entire roster knows, very few have ever taken advantage of it. Right.
1: And, I, and that's the thing. I think that if you give your roster trust with the moveset and you only question them if something is really just out of place, most people will really be smart because they want to make a unique moveset that isn't just a finisher after finisher after finisher finisher they
0: want to be individual right and most people have done that there is the occasional person that'll do a full finisher move set for the lulls and that's still legal it's just it's just pretty funny even though it's actually quite rare for somebody to do that which i'm surprised about given your rule now so
1: here's the thing the last portion of our uh, podcast we like to kind of hand over to our uh guest to kind of promote what is happening on their show so you have a big event coming up on march 25th
0: is that right got it march 25th march 25th is final destination 3 battle of gods So,
1: Final Destination Three: Battle of the Gods. So, I'm going to let our infamous muckraker and Gary Hamrick Jr. take the lead on this last little bit here to try to coax some more information
2: (laughs) about. I was just wondering if there were any matches that you know that you might be eager to promote on this show. I I know we're recording this about a month before the show. But, you know, where... Is there anything that you might be eager to promote on it? That you, you might could give us an exclusive scoop on something that, you know, might be in the works?
0: Well, I could tell you three things. Well, part of three things. Two of them I... are already public knowledge, so I'll go I... over those. The two things that are public knowledge. First, we do have the hybrid championship on the line. The okay. current champion's name is Zeke Salazar, who just received his new championship design by his challenger, our belt designer, Angel Perkins Harris. Uh-oh. A-P-H!
2: That that's, might be a little bad news for Mr. Salazar. You
0: Wrestling never know. This, a, you, right. you never know. This man's an absolute menace, too.
2: Well, you know, I mean, it's... Stranger things have happened there. Now, you, you mentioned the second match. Is this involving a title?
0: The second one is not.
2: Okay. But
0: it does have something on the line, though. We confirmed that our very first signing named Jay mamba who has still been with us all this time, he's going up against the gatekeeper of Pantheon, who's named Raijin. Who is Raijin? He's the gatekeeper of Pantheon. He's also an assassin from Universe 9. And Universe 9's a war zone, so you can assume he knows what he's doing in a, bot- in a fight. So, you've got one of your longest
1: reigning roster members facing off against a stalwart uh, roster member on a show, and these guys have never interacted? Not, Is this a first appearance? Yeah, but this, this ever. Wow, that's first time that's ever that's Raijin that's
0: versus Jaybaba.
2: first time ever. A legitimate first time ever.
0: Oh, listen to this one. I mentioned there's no title because neither right. one's a champion. Right. But there is something on the line. Okay. Raijan's gatekeeper job is on the line. Ooh. If J Mamba is able to defeat this man, he becomes the gatekeeper of the brand.
2: Wow. That's, that's interesting. I, I like that stip.
0: And you're probably wondering, what does a gatekeeper even do? Because that's no, actually I a job.
2: You know, actually. I'm, what I'm wondering is something different. Is it- What's the that? Gatekeeper job, tournament, temple, tournament, anyway, GTT. Uh, <laughs> is it the same traditional gatekeeper role in professional wrestling? Because we we are quite familiar with the role of gatekeeper in professional wrestling.
0: I'll answer that question, then you can let me know if it is, because not yeah. really familiar. Yeah. So, how we do it is, There's two per brand. One male, one female. Per brand. then is the male for Pantheon. So let's say... Let's say Michael Maverick signs to Pantheon. He, Michael Maverick, will be left... Amen. But let's just say he signs to Pantheon, for example. He'll be left anonymous, but Ryzen will then be announced, hey, he's going to be gatekeeping that day in a debut showcase. The mystery debut his will have Raijin as their guaranteed first opponent.
2: Ah. So it so it is a little different than the traditional pro wrestling role of gatekeeper.
1: But not okay. too different.
2: No, not not too different.
1: Because um, uh, the the traditional um gatekeeper method in professional wrestling is, is basically the, related
2: to the title picture
1: at, or but if you get a job in the first place
2: but i've mostly have heard it in relation to the to the title picture but that was hearing jake the snake talk about
1: it too. right and so you do your version and i'll tell you mine
2: basically that the the gatekeeper what is a guy who a a potential title contender is put into a feud with for it to be decided if this guy is ready to be put in the main title picture. Rather, that is... In in the WWE's case, or WWF's case back in the day, it was rather they're ready to be put in the intercontinental title picture. Or in the world title picture. You know, and often with Jake, it was rather or not you're ready to be put in a title program with Hogan. That that was the reason for, that. And as I understand it, that was the reason for the Jake Roberts-Rick Rude feud, which didn't, okay.
0: Funny enough, we actually have one of our Channel Point things that actually has something like that somewhat, except it's a specific opponent in a specific match type. And this match type, you just interviewed this man semi-recently named Luke Luger. So, I'm guessing that it's Luke Luger in a
1: UFN rules
0: match. It's not Luke Luger in a UFN rules match. It's Bobby Legend. It's not even one of his characters. Ooh, okay. Now I'm interested. Worldbreaker before, give him a dad, and there you go. breaker's dad! <laughs> in the UFN cage match, submission knockout only.
2: Right. And if you
0: win, you get a title shot of your choice. If you lose, you get nothing and walk home empty-handed, crying and drinking yourself down in sorrows. So, now, so the... um,
2: Corvin might be doing that even if he... (laughs) I mean...
0: The um, other
1: form of gatekeeper has been, basically, you have a guy who's a solid worker, like, can work with anybody and can make anybody look good. And the idea is that if a new talent comes in, and if they can't have a good match with that worker, then they... And so they wouldn't wind up getting signed, or they wouldn't wind up getting that next-level push. One of the guys that, like it or not, was kind of filled in this role was Sean Waltman with X. Basically, they would put guys in and say well put them in a match with X-Pac and they would do this on dark matches or they do it on Raw basically they give a guy a shot and if they were able to have a good ma- match with Sean that would bring them up if they weren't signed that would bring them up a little bit on the radar of okay they hung with Sean they had a good match they made everything look good maybe we should look at giving getting them some kind of contract or bring them back to see how they do with the next guy. And then, so the idea was basically to get them in there with someone that they know is going to have a good match regardless. And if they we can
2: Another guy that falls into that category, though, he works more like Jake did. AJ Styles has started working that type of role. Yes. Where... Yeah. If you know AJ can have a good match with just about anybody, if you can't have a good match with AJ, then you know you're you're probably not ready for that next level push. Or you know, and that's that's usually where it's at at this point. Or you know, somebody needs to be seasoned. They're gonna be put with AJ. That that's what I think. What happened with almost as far as their tag team, almost needed. You know, he needed the season.
1: Now, so with that being said, is there anything else on the horizon with Final Days of Destination Three that you can tell us about coming up with March 25th, John? Is there you got
2: anything else that
1: you can give us?
2: Uh, well, I, and I'm just gonna ask, might we see something? You you mentioned the Hell in the Cell style cage match that you do that involved like a uh, oh. taking somebody's soul. Or something. You're,
0: you're talking about the sacrifice to the gods.
2: I'm talking about the sacrifice to the gods. Might we see a sacrifice to the gods at Final Destination three?
0: There may or may not be a sacrifice.
2: Well I mean you know but, but you can you could probably tell us without telling us who was in the match. You know uh- I mean, You said it's your biggest show of the year. I mean I, I would be shocked too I would be shocked isn't nice. one planned if it's your biggest show of the year.
0: That is true. I'm not so, sure who, but I'm going to put money down saying the bookers are going to make it happen.
2: That's, uh, Sacrifice to the gods at Final Destination 3. You have heard it here first. <laughs> well, he, he said the bookers are going to make it happen.
1: So, I'm so we've got I mean, Sacrifice to the Gods with an
2: undetermined
1: opponents.
2: So, um, I, I imagine that there are people being looked at.
1: And we have... APH versus Salazar for the hybrid championship and Mamba versus. Unif uh, District 9. Help me with that name. District 9, excuse me. Ryzen right. versus uh, Mamba. Guys, that already sounds like a loaded card with just three snippets of announcements. Check that out on March 25th at uh, on what's your Twitch channel? What is that for,
0: John? At GTT Official. On Twitch,
1: GTT official on Twitch. This will be in the show notes. And guys, like we said, we are all about promoting what is going on and understanding what is happening in the wider world of Call. Thank you for listening. And if you want to be a part of our show joint, go to our link tree. That is Willow. That is W L O dot link forward slash at Project WWWN to join us and check us out. Get on our Twitter, get on our Twitch, hit us up via the guest forms for Dyn- Dynasties in Progress and Building Legends and be a part of the project. Thank you, Jonathan Baker, for being a part of Project WWWN and letting us get a little bit more information on the greater world of Grand Tournament Temple. Alright, and with that, guys, we are going to end this show. Thank you for listening, and in the words of Lord Cyrus of Moldovia, stay safe.
2: Stay over.
1: This has been Project WWWN. Thank you for listening. We hope that this episode has been informative and entertaining.
2: Get in contact with us, please go to willow.link Slash at project wwwn. That is, w l o dot link forward slash at project wwwn. If you are interested in being a guest on a Building Legends episode, click that Building Legends guest form. Answer the questions and submit, and we will be in contact with you to set up an interview.
1: If you like what we are doing, please follow us on Spotify and Twitter. And most importantly, tell your friends in the community and let them know that Project WWWN is worth a listen. As we end our show, let us remind everyone of the wisest words in the world given to us by Don Callis, also known as Lord Cyrus of Moldova. Stay safe
2: and stay over.